Good morning. Welcome. We have several announcements today, a lot more than we had last week. For starters, there will be no women's mission tomorrow night. That has been <laughs> Thank you. But we will be having our eat out on in August. It's going to be August 24th. That is not a Monday, that's a Tuesday. That's because we're going to go to the Miller House, which is a restaurant in Owensboro. Correct. Okay, so that'll all be good. So anybody wanting to join us, please do. It'll be August 24th. We'll make the announcement again, but we'll meet at church and we'll all go together if we'd like, if you want to. Also, we will be playing co-ed volleyball again this fall. Anybody interested needs to sign up on the bulletin board over there. It's going to be co-ed on Thursday nights, and I think we're going to try to have two teams again. Hopefully, yeah. So sign up, and if you forget to sign up, Call me, Mark, the church, whatever. We need to have you signed up by next Sunday, okay? We have to have the list turned in. Let's see. Also, Pat Zimmerman's class will be hosting the Salvation Army luncheon on Saturday, and I think we've got that all covered for volunteers and food. Plus, if anyone is interested, we have free otter tickets for the game. It's tonight. First pitch is at 6.35. Tickets will be over on the table over there, so take as many as you'd like. Ask your friends and family to go with you. They're free. Free tickets. Courtesy of Raven. That's right. Courtesy of Raven. Thank you, Kenny. And don't forget to sign up, sign the attendance sheet on each row. Any other announcements that I have forgotten? Okay, we have Goal of Shelter and Emergency Assistant Ministry. Is this something you want to film out? <laughs> Hello, everybody. Uh, hopefully everyone was handed one of these sheets when you came in today. It's, uh, it's about our emergency uh, assistance ministry that, we're, that the missions and uh, ministry team is trying to get, um, get organized. And uh, there are a couple of different aspects to this. One aspect is that uh, we are going to try to be a uh, registered shelter here at Community Baptist Church, an emergency shelter. For, uh, for example, you know, last year when we had the ice storm, you know, this would be a place where people can come to in, in case there's an ice storm and there's a power outage and things like that. So we are in the process of um, trying to be a registered shelter. And as a part of that, we are seeking volunteers and there will be a training on August the 14th, uh, if you would like to volunteer to, to work, at, to be a worker here in the shelter. And there are some things that you need to uh, have training for and other things that you don't need to have training for. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you could do in the shelter from preparing meals to uh, checking people in and out or, or things like that. But anyway, we will be having a uh, uh, a training session here on August the 14th and so if you'd like to be a part of that then you can uh, you can sign up on this uh, another thing is that we're concerned about people within our own congregation for example when we had our ice storm um, communications were down and we were not able to uh, get in contact with people uh, by telephone and and so that worried us. And so we're looking for volunteers who may have a four-wheel drive vehicle that they can drive to uh, uh, especially our senior citizens and our shut-ins homes just to check on them, to make sure that they're okay, that they have power. And also people were, were without power for days and days at a time. 
and, um, and uh, sometimes we may have an extra bedroom and we may have power that we could, uh, we could shelter someone in our bedroom. And so there's a place for you to, to check off there in case you would like to. Uh Awake now? Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> so I'm not on now, am, am I? Okay. How about this one? Okay, I'm on on my, on my headset, Mike. <laughs> Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's, that's what this is all about, and we would like to encourage as many people uh, to participate in this as, it, 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 as possible, because I think this is an important thing, important for us to do. Uh, so please, if you take a look at this and determine what level of activity you can be involved with and fill this out, you can drop it in an offering plate or drop it in the, um, or in the uh, office here or hand it to me when you leave today. Anyway, and, and, uh, and we'll take care of that. Thank you so much.
down, children. Meet Miss Nora. Is she on yet? about the collections I have. I like to collect things, but I brought some of my favorite stuffed animals. This one here, and he's cute. Look, he has on a plaid jacket. He's a little dog. He is one of my favorites. This is one that one of my grandchildren gave me so that my dog could have a playmate. And then here is one that I got. Ha, a snowman, wouldn't he be wonderful to have right now? A good old snowman in the middle of this hot summer. He's a good old snowman. And then here is another one that I kept. This one I brought one time because this is one of those Webkins. And I used it for one of my children's sermons, so that was one. He's a nice-looking giraffe. And then here is another one that I kept, and this is Mickey Mouse. I love Mickey Mouse. When I went to Disney when I was in high school, that was all I... They had friends who had given me some money, and this is what I saved my money was to buy a Mickey Mouse. Do y'all have a Mickey Mouse? No? And this one is one that is, uh, was given to Rachel by a friend, and she held this a lot while she was in bed. And then I have um, these little things that are called Beanie Babies. Do y'all have Beanie Babies? Have you ever heard of Beanie Babies? Have I outdated you? Well, this one... <laughs> This one is an angel. Someone gave this to me as an angel. And then this is a bear with a flower. And then, oh, wait a minute. I've got one more. I can't find it. Have y'all seen it? Oh, how can, doggone it. I know I brought it. I know I put it in there in that bag. Oh, darn. Do y'all see it? Have y'all seen it? I've lost it. I don't know where it is. It's just one. It, it's, it's, a, it's my favorite. Oh, here it is. Oh, here it is. I found it. I found it. I found it. I found it. Oh, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Look, it's my lamb. Oh, he's, oh he got a little dirty. He got, oh, that's okay. I'm still ticked. Isn't he cute? He's adorable. And he got a little bit dirty, but that's all right. You know, he's very special to me. And they're all made just a little bit different. 
And today's story is about a parable about if one sheep gets lost. If one of these unique toys gets lost, do you know who looks for us? Yeah. Isn't that cool? And we're all different and we're all special in the way that we are, but he wants us, each and every one of us. And when one is found, look, they're all happy. We're all happy. Thank you. Y'all have a good day.
be seated. <clears throat> One thing I, um, I love about this church is that we respond to need and um, as we see it <clears throat> and when we see it and sometimes we do it on an impromptu basis. Um, and the reason I say that is because as after everything began here today, this morning, uh, uh, Pam kind of made her way up here. I don't know if you saw her. And she had just been talking with Dottie Sugg, who, of course, is the uh, director of the Christian Outreach Center here, which helps people who are hungry, people who have financial needs, who need rental assistance and utility assistance, and they are absolutely broke. Uh, there is no money uh, in the coffers at the Henderson Outreach Center. Uh, there, as you can imagine, it, with an economy like ours, the need is great. People are hungry, people are in terrible need, and that means there's a heavy burden on the Christian Outreach Center. And so Pam said, why don't we have a little impromptu offering after the worship service? So she will be standing at the, at the doors, and maybe we can get somebody to stand at the other door with the offering plate just to kind of take up a cash offering for the Henderson Outreach, uh, Christian Outreach, um, after the worship service. So I just want to give you a heads up for that. When you see Pam back there with the offering plate, that's what it's all about. And just be thankful, uh, be thankful for what you have and be thankful that you can help those who don't have. Now, let's, uh, let's read our scripture for today. comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. <clears throat> now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them a par this parable. Which one of you, having a hundred sheep and losing one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? When he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders and rejoices. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you. There will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one of them, does not light a lamp, sweep the house, and search carefully until she finds it? When she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is the word of God for you and for me. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord God, we believe that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And we believe that you continue to love the lost and the wandering. We believe that you rejoice over everyone who comes to you. And so we pray that you will come among us today in your mercy and in your love. 
and that you will redeem us from our own lostness, that you will rescue us from our own wanderings, that you will restore us from our own brokenness, that you will release us from our own forms of bondage, and that you will receive us into your family through Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our friend. Amen.
as you can see, I'm not Phyllis, <laughs> but I'm standing up here for her, and uh, I ask that you join me as we pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank thee for the day that you've given to us and this opportunity to bring our tithes and offerings to you, that it may be used to help those who are in need, help this church to carry on the program that it has, and guide us and direct us. And as we go through this service, be with each and every one, for through Jesus Christ we do pray. Amen. It was one of the um, great adventure stories of all time. A man named Thor Heyerdahl wanted to test the theory that ancient people from South America could have settled the Polynesian islands in the South Pacific. 
So Heyerdahl took a small group of men to Peru where they constructed a raft out of balsa logs. These logs were lashed together with rope just like a group of sailors would have done in earlier, uh, less sophisticated times, and Heyerdahl named the raft the Contiki. He and his crew of five, five other men set out on the Pacific Ocean from the coast of Peru on April the 28th, 1947. They sailed the raft over 4,300 4, miles across the Pacific Ocean before smashing into a reef in Polynesia 101 days later. They had accomplished their goal. However, even though the venture was successful, it was not without its difficulties. For you see, during this three-month journey, the crew of the Contiki had little control over where the raft was going. They had no way to, to steer the raft, and they had no way to stop its forward progress. And so they learned early on that anything dropped overboard was almost impossible to recover once the raft had left it behind. Well, two months into the voyage and thousands of miles away from land, one of the men, a man named Herman, lost his footing and fell overboard. And the raft, driven by a strong wind, moved, moved ahead faster than, than Herman was able to swim to it. The other five crew members were horrified. They tried to throw Herman a lifeline, but the wind blew it back towards them, and things were not looking very good for Herman. And so suddenly, one of the other men, a man named Newt, grabbed the line and actually dove into the water, and he swam back to Herman, wrapped his arms around him, while the other men on the boat pulled both of them to safety. All six of the men finished that journey unharmed. I thought about Herman thrashing around helplessly in that mass of waves when I reread this beautiful passage of Scripture from Luke's Gospel about the lost sheep and the lost coin. It's important for us to remember who was present when Jesus told these parables. Luke tells us that tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to listen to Jesus teach. Evidently, they were hungry to hear what Jesus had to say. But we're also told that there were some Pharisees and teachers of the law nearby. But they had not come to, to learn from Jesus. Rather, they had come to, to criticize him and to find fault with him. They looked down their noses at Jesus and said, look at him. This man even welcomes sinners and even eats with them. And so with this mixed audience, Jesus tells his parables. Suppose one of you had a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 and go after the one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep, my lost sheep. And I tell you, in the same way, there is more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And then while the, this mixed audience was digesting this pithy little story, Jesus tells them another one. 
Suppose a woman has ten silver coins, he says, and, and loses one of them. Does she not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds that coin? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together. And she says, rejoice with me, for I found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. My friends, I think it's important for us to take note that there is a strong element of helplessness in these two parables. <clears throat> I mean, think about it. The lost sheep could not have found its way back into the sheepfold. It was lost. It was helpless. And the shepherd even had to put it on his shoulders and carry it at home. That's how helpless it was. And, and the lost coin obviously couldn't find its way back into the, the woman's necklace or in it, into her purse. So you see, both the sheep and the coin were as helpless as Herman thrashing around in the Pacific, totally dependent upon his friends to find a way to save him. And there are so many people who are just as helpless in this world. You know, people who regularly work with others who have deep-seated problems often get frustrated. It's hard to work with people in trouble day in and day out. It's, and it's easy to burn out. And, and, and we ask questions like, why can't they just help themselves? Or why can't they make good decisions? And why can't they pull themselves up by their own bootstraps? But folks, let me tell you something. When it comes to salvation... There is something that we, know, we all need to understand, and here it is. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. There is no self-help program out there that will open heaven's, heaven's gates to us. We cannot think our way to Jesus. We cannot work our way to Jesus. We cannot even clean up our act enough to make our way to Jesus. Because you see, salvation is a gift to us. And that's why Paul writes in Romans 5, For while we were still powerless, at just the right time, Christ died for the ungodly, it says. And then it continues and says, Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves God's love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you see, salvation is not something that we can do for ourselves. It's something that has been done for us. This theme was very important in the writings of Paul. He saw the dangers of people believing that they were among the, the spiritually elite. You ever known anybody like that, the spiritually elite? And, and they believe that they've achieved their status by their own doing. And Paul saw the people like this, and he, he saw the dangers there. And I think one thing that probably made him so conscious of this was the fact that he was exactly that same way before he met Christ. And he knew that an attitude like that breeds pride within individuals. 
And that's not a good thing for a Christian. Folks, let me tell you something. Jesus does not need any more proud, smug, self-righteous know-it-alls looking down their noses at the spiritually unwashed. Jesus doesn't need that. It's kind of like um, a story I heard about a woman named Mildred who was the self-appointed church gossip who was always sticking her nose into the personal lives of everyone else in the church and starting the rumors and gossiping and telling people this and that. But she made a mistake one day. For you see, she started to spread this rumor about George, who was a new member of the church. And the rumor was that George was an, an alcoholic. And she based this rumor on the fact that she saw his pickup truck parked out in front of the local bar one afternoon. Well, George was a man of few words. He didn't try to explain himself. He didn't defend himself. He didn't deny anything. In fact, he didn't say anything at all. However, later that evening, George did quietly park his pickup truck in Mildred's driveway <laughs> and left it there overnight. I wonder who was talking after that. Now, Jesus does not need any more smug, self-righteous know-it-alls looking down their noses at others. And that was precisely the main problem with the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. They were leaders in their community. And they were blameless to a fault, except for one very serious flaw. And here it is. They let their love for religion get in their way of their love for people. In their eyes, they were superior to others, especially to these sinners and tax collectors who were in the audience as Jesus taught that day. They didn't know that there's no such thing as spiritual superiority in the kingdom of God. For you see, we are all sinners. Every one of us, saved by grace. And none, no, not one of us, has any bragging rights of righteousness. When it comes to salvation, we are all helpless. Then the second thing we need to see from this story is the eagerness of the, of the shepherd and the woman to find that which was lost. Look at what happens in this story. The shepherd leaves the 99 sheep and goes after the one lost sheep until he finds it. And when he does find it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and takes the sheep home. And then he calls his friends and neighbors and he says, Rejoice with me, for I found my lost sheep. And the same way, the woman who has lost her coin, she lights the lamp, she sweeps the house, she searches frantically until she finally find, finds it. And then what does she do? She calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I found my lost coin. 
And in both of these stories, Jesus says the same thing. He says, in the same way, there is rejoicing in heaven whenever one sinner repents. You see that? Do you see the eagerness to find that which is lost? And do you see the joy that is expressed when it's found? Pastor Dan Baumgartner tells about watching a news story about three hikers up in the Cascade Mountains. And one of the hikers went ahead of the others to scope out the trail, but as he did, a, a thick fog settled over the peaks. And after about two hours, the other two hikers still couldn't find him. And they looked and they yelled and they searched and they searched. And, and, then, and then after a while, they got scared. He couldn't have gone that far, they thought. He couldn't have gone that far. And they said, they said the, the terrain is pretty treacherous. He must have fallen somewhere. So what do we do? Well, they did what any well-prepared hiker does in the 21st century. They pulled out their cell phone and they called for help. And before long, an, an emergency rescue helicopter was, was hovering about 6,000 feet and, and looking. And, and not too long after that, a helicopter from a news station was also in the area investigating the story. And just when they were about to call more people out to, to join in this search, the third hiker turned up out of nowhere, safe and sound. He had wandered off a side trail by accident and gotten turned around, and, and eventually he ran into some other hikers who pointed him in the right direction and put him on the right path. Well, Baumgartner says that, that as he watched this story, he couldn't help thinking to himself, man, look at all that energy. Look at all that time. Look at all that money invested just to look for this one lost hiker. And then he thought, we can't afford to do that every time somebody gets lost. And that's a pretty, pretty logical response. But as he reflected on that, he decided that Jesus would disagree with him. For you see, Jesus wants to reclaim everyone who is lost. In fact, that is exactly what the cross says to us today. There is no length to which God will not go to rescue one solitary soul. And when that one lost person is found, all of heaven rejoices. So you see, we're helpless to provide for our own salvation, but God is eager to find the lost sheep and the lost coin. This brings us to the next thing that we need to see from this parable, and and that is that we are the lost sheep. And we are the lost coin. You know, when we think about lost people, we, I think we have a tendency to think about street people or drug addicts or somebody in jail or some idol worshiper in the deep, dark jungle. But, but folks, we are that lost person if we have never committed ourselves to follow the kingdom to which Jesus Christ came to lead us. We are the lost sheep. We are the lost coin. We are Herman struggling in the waves as the Contiki moves farther and farther away. If we have never responded to the call of Jesus Christ when He bids us to follow me, 
You know, one of the, the, one of the things that, that burdens me is that so many people who, who drop in at church from time to time are so casual about their faith. And they've never made it really central in their lives. And because of that, when, when Gallup does his polls, he discovers that, that church people have the same kind of prejudices that people who don't go to church have, and sometimes even worse. And church people have the same kind of problems as people who don't go to church, and church people have the same morals as people who don't go to church, and, and so people outside of the church are rightfully asking, what difference does it make? Christians aren't much different than anybody else. And the truth of the matter is that for the casually committed, it really doesn't make all that much difference. There are many people whose names are on the church rolls who are, in a sense, in a sense, lost. Because, folks, let me tell you something. The Christian faith is an all-or-nothing proposition. And if we want the benefits of faith, the peace and the joy and the love of Jesus Christ, then we need to give him our all. John Ortberg, in his book titled, God is Closer Than You, uses an expression that many young adults are familiar with, especially those who are in a romantic relationship. The expression is summed up in three letters, D, T, are. And those letters stand for define the relationship. It's often used when a couple gets to a stage in their relationship and, and the next step is not really certain. They don't know exactly how committed they are to each other. And, and they're asking, are, are we in this relationship for laughs or are we in it for keeps? And the fact is, there comes a time in every relationship when, when you're either in or you're out. And that's the way it is with our relationship with Christ. It's kind of like being married. I hope you understand there's no such thing as being a little bit married. Either you're in or you're out. And in the same way, you can't be a little bit Christian. You're either in or you're out. And Ortberg goes on to say that in Jesus' day, being in relationship with Christ inevitably, inevitably involved some kind of a spiritual DTR. Nobody ever went away from an encounter with Jesus saying, well, that was a nice conversation. No. Jesus gently but relentlessly asked people to make a decision about their relationship with him, and the fundamental decision always involved the invitation Follow me. Come be with me. Come and learn from me how to be like me. My friends, being a Christian is not about having all the right answers or, or even holding to a certain set of doctrinal beliefs. No. Being a Christian means committing one's life to following Jesus. And so I'm asking you today to do a little DTR. It's time for you and for me to define our relationship that we truly have with Jesus Christ. Then one more thing before we finish this morning. When we have our relationship straight with Jesus, 
And when we've made that commitment to be a follower and not just an admirer, then we're going to find that we'll also have a new relationship with every other person in the, in the world. Jesus was, was telling these parables to a crowd that included scribes and Pharisees as well as sinners and tax collectors. And Jesus wanted them to see that none of them had an exclusive claim on the kingdom of God. We're all sinners saved by grace. Consequently, we dare not look down our noses at anybody else like these, these uh, Pharisees and scribes were doing. And folks, I cannot tell you how happy I am that Community Baptist Church is a church of compassion and understanding and acceptance rather than a church of judgmentalism. We are not about condemning the sins and shortcomings in other people's lives. That's not our business. Our business is to love people like God loves people. Our business is to accept people like God accepts people. And our, God, our business is to love and accept people like God has loved and accepted us. For you see, we're no better. And I'm thankful that this is a church for sinners. Because each and every one of us is so precious to God. And guess what? So is everybody else on the earth. And that makes us brothers and sisters, whoever we may be. The scribes and the Pharisees couldn't see the, the sinner and the tax collector as, as their brothers. They couldn't get beyond that. They couldn't see this. And, and they looked upon them as riffraff and as scum and unworthy of their consideration. Well, you would think that we would be like riffraff to God, wouldn't you? But no. You see, when God looks at us, God sees something beautiful and something worthwhile and something that is worth giving His only Son for. And that is exactly how we need to look at the world for whom Christ died. God loves us even when we are unlovable. And there is no length to which Christ will not go to find us when we stray. And when we are found and when we follow the ways of Christ, there's great rejoicing in all of heaven. And because we were lost before God found us, we need to put aside any self-righteousness that we may think that we are entitled to and regard everyone else as a precious soul for whom Christ died. Amen. We're going to sing a hymn of response. Number 450, I need thee every hour. And we do need Christ every single hour of our lives, whether we know it or not. Because it is only through the gift of Christ's salvation that we have any hope at all. That we can have any hope for abundant life, the joys, the love, the peace of Christ.
you may need to make a response today. You may need to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today. I don't know where you are in your journey. You may have done that. You may not have made that commitment to follow. But the, the invitation that Jesus gives every time and every encounter he has is the invitation for you today. Come and follow me. And that's not just a mental exercise. It's not just a belief in a certain set of doctrines. It is following the ways of Christ. Becoming a citizen of this kingdom that he has come to establish and to live a life according to that kingdom. If you've never made that commitment, we invite you to do it today. If you're looking for a church home to be a part of, we invite you to unite with our church today. Or maybe you need a prayer. Maybe you need a time of prayer just to come and get something off of your shoulders or ask for a request for prayer or just to pray silently by yourself. If God's dealing in your heart in any way, we invite you to come as we sing, I need thee every hour. Would you come? Gracious God, you have come to us in Christ and you have shown us your love and your grace and your compassion. And as we go from here, we pray that you would give us your patience when people are indifferent. Give us your compassion when people are in need and give us your love to reflect your grace and your forgiveness to others. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. you were there with me yes you were there with me well and I didn't even know that I had lost my way but you were there with me yes you were there with me until you opened up my eyes on this